Today's episode is coming to you without ads, but I would like to touch on something before we get started because we do bring up the subject of suicide in this episode. And I just want everyone out there to know you don't have to go through things alone. You can call the Suicide Prevention Lifeline 1 800 273 8255. And that's for you or anyone you know that's going through anything. Just don't feel like you have to go through things alone. Well, anyways, I'm Fred Cap. This is the Teacher Recharge Podcast. Let's get started. teachers out there welcome back to another edition of the teacher recharge podcast the only podcast on the internet hosted by me i'm frag cap and today we have someone on our show all the way from long island new york his name is roger von braun he's a new york state certified teacher turned suicide prevention advocate the tragic loss of his brother has led him from teaching lessons in the classroom to delivering his message from the stage he now travels the country opening the conversation on mental health drug addiction and suicide prevention with students educators and parents he's committed himself to teaching young people how to navigate some of life's darkest moments and educating parents and teachers on how to best support their teens mental health this is a great episode and i'm gonna be honest it might sound like it's a bit heavy but listen to it there are definitely some deep moments i'm not going to say that that's not a thing but uh there's also a lot of fun in it as well and there's some great tips and strategies in here you're going to absolutely enjoy this episode so enjoy it enjoy the interview with roger von braun let's get it started Hello, Teacher Recharge listeners. Welcome back to the Teacher Recharge podcast. This week, we have none other than the Mr. Roger Von Braun. How in the heck are you doing today? Doing great, Fred. Thank you so much for having me, man. Great to be here. Yeah. So where in the world are you located at, first of all? So I am located on, they say on, I don't know, it's weird that we say on Long Island instead of in Long Island, which <laughs> most other people say, but Long Island, New York, right out of New York City. Okay, sweet. There's a lot a lot of differences between that and the Midwest. Yeah, man. That's for sure. That's that's awesome. So you're coming to us from a from a long way away. You're an NYS certified teacher. What does that mean? So New York State certified teacher. So I'm certified, you know, I did all my schooling and everything in New York and got certified and started teaching sweet. here in New York State. Yep. And you're also going around and giving a pretty pretty important message to to schools around the nation. What what is that message, where does it stem from? Just tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah. So, so really briefly, you know, my mission was to become a teacher and I went through schooling and I got my first full-time job uh, working for New York City public schools. I was working in Brooklyn, New York. And during my first year of teaching mid-year in January, I ended up losing my younger brother to suicide. And, you know, this was something that no one really saw coming and it was by far the hardest thing I've ever had to go through, let alone being in my first full year of teaching, which was hard enough. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I managed to get through it. I continued teaching for a few years. But eventually, whether I was teaching on Long Island, in New York City, I even spent some time teaching in Denver, Colorado. So regardless where I was, I saw the same negative mindset and belief system in my students. And that along with, you know, the lessons that I had started to learn from 
you know, going through my brother's life and everything he went through. I just felt like I had too many important lessons that I needed to share. And, um, you know, suicide is unfortunately a conversation that isn't really spoken about regularly. And unfortunately, it's only becoming more and more prevalent, especially with our young people. So I really made it my mission to get out there and travel the country and reach students and, you know, middle school, high school and college and share my brother's story and all the lessons I learned, you know, to really try to inspire them to open up and and take back control over their own life. I'm happy that there are people like you that that can take something so tragic in their life and then spin it in to, hey, I, I need to help to calling to to helping people, which is amazing. That, that's yeah, such thank a, you, man. That's I appreciate cool that. All right. Well, with that, we're gonna get to get you and get to know you on a little lighter note. Okay, uh, sounds good. With our mintro, aka the minute intro. Now this is like a hot seat. It's random questions, and it's gonna be rapid fire. <laughs> I want any explanation on one of these things because you're bound to say something that I'm like, what? That's crazy. Then that's when it'll end. So are you ready for your intro? I am ready. Let's do this. Number one, who is your hero? My mom. What is your biggest fear? (sighs) My biggest fear, this is is kind of a long one, but and it might be a little random, but my biggest fear is dying. Mm -hmm. And life, without me knowing it, I agreed to do certain things during this life, to achieve certain things, to you know, grow in certain ways. And that if I gave up or didn't follow through, that I would basically have to start fresh again in possibly a harder circumstance. Uh, wow. Yeah. So it's kind of, that's kind of a deep long, that's kind of stems from my brother, mm-hmm. you know, really and losing him and just thinking about, you know, no one really knows I know I'm screwing your minute intro right now. No, but, no, you're doing fine. Um, no one this really. Is actually, you know what? Let's turn this into the explain. That's the shortest minute intro ever. I yeah, love it. Possibly. Though. And I kind of just, I forced her hand there, but um, <laughs> that was one thing that I, you know, after losing him, I thought about that regardless of what background you are, what religion you are, what your beliefs are. The reality is that no one really knows what happens after we die. And, mm-hmm. you know, I ha- I've always kind of had this funny feeling that, it's, it's weird that none of us remember anything before we're born, but I always felt like I, there was a reason that I was here, that I had specific things that I had to do in this life. And so after losing my brother, I never really worried that he was just dead and gone. You know, I believe that, you know, we carry on afterwards in some way, shape or form. But my fear was that by taking his own life, you know, he really cut short on possibly the agreement that he made and coming into this beautiful planet and this beautiful life that we have, and that he would then have to basically start fresh. It's like, you know, a video game with no checkpoints or save points. You're you're starting back from the beginning. And so I think that's just something that personally, you know, hit me after, after losing him. I know that's not necessarily a common fear, but I think other people do fear dying and possibly being shown the best version of yourself that you didn't at all live up to. And, you know, seeing- That's an interesting thought you know, like seeing all the potential of who you could have become and looking at a version of yourself in the mirror that is not what you are, you know? And so I think all of us want to strive to be the person that, you know, our self-actualized versions of ourselves, reaching the most people, doing the most good. And so that, you know, those are the things that really, the fears that 
I kind of use them to just drive me. Yeah. So, and with that said, then do you every, actually this goes really well into our next question. My next question that I usually start every interview with is what are you doing at the beginning of the week to get ready and to make sure the people you're talking to or your students are just pumped up for the week ahead. But I kind of want to phrase it in this way. So with what you just said, are you kind of taking that broad viewpoint every week into, man, I want to strive to be the, like, what could I be doing to be a better version of myself? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, in a lot of ways, I think it shapes and forms my intent and how I approach different things. And, you know, not necessarily expectations, but just what I'm looking to give and what I'm looking to, you know, basically learn from and grow from. And so every week for me is really, really every day, I try to get into the habit where I start every day with thinking of things that I'm grateful for, number one. And then number two, thinking about ways in which I can improve, ways in which I can get more meaning to students, more meaning to young people, more meaning to parents and deliver more value on a regular basis. So, and from a teacher standpoint, when I was teaching, things were a little bit different than my life now. The beginning of the week was always an important time just to make sure that everything for the week, although nothing ever goes as planned as a teacher, but you know, the more, the more you can have planned, the more backup plans you have for things that don't go over well, or you have more time or you need more things to do. And just maybe possibly taking things that happen in your own real life and thinking of a way where you can transfer that meaning and different lessons that you've learned to your students or even to your your colleagues. You know, Monday mornings where I was always big big on socializing Monday morning, yeah. whether or not that was good with time served, but you know, it always helps to build relationships with the people around you. Definitely. So one thing I do want to track back and just talk about real quick though, because I phrased that in a way that was like you're looking at yourself every day trying to say, oh, what could I improve on? I don't want people to hear that and think that means that, hey, I need to improve because I'm not good right now. I think there's this culture right now in in the US and just in the world in general that we're always needing to be better than where we're at. And it's not that that's rubbish or anything, but I do feel like there's a reason why you're at where you're at right now. And there's a lot of stuff that went into that. And I, I feel like, especially our listeners, you're an amazing person. If you're listening to this right now, you've done so many things to get where you are. So we're not saying, oh, you need to improve and just be better because you're not good enough right now. I don't want you to hear that. I couldn't agree with you more on that. And, and I hope I didn't come off at all. As oh, a, no, not at all. Everyone needs to improve. You're, you're not because that's something that's one of my main messages to young people is that you are good enough and yeah. you're also not alone in, in struggles and, and possibly feeling like, you know, I feel like that's something that mainstream media and everything around us, our society just is constantly on this. You need to be constantly improving and it's like a rapid improvement. Like, you know, we're constantly seeing people where we're, they're viewed as overnight successes, but there's really generally no such thing. That's right. years and years of hard work. But for me, it was more just an awareness, an awareness of myself, an awareness of different things that bothered me about myself. So it wasn't, you know, at all like each week I need to be some sort of markedly better teacher or, you know what I mean? I need to have some data that's going to support these changes I put into effect. It was just more about really just trying to become a more, you know, in the moment, 
person who was going right. to genuinely be there to listen. You know, even if it was just like this week, my goal is to listen to my students, to hear right. them out more, to not cut them off and immediately go in with my own perspective on the situation. You know, even if that was it, but that's something that over time, when you pick up these little healthy habits that really make a large impact. So really that's, that's where I was coming from. Yeah. And I I just wanted to touch on that because I I know that I've fallen victim to that thought of like, Oh, well I need to be better because I'm not good enough where I am right now. And uh, the, the idea of differentiating yourself and having a different metric of how you actually weigh yourself has really come up in my life lately of, of like, well, what is, you know, what is good? What, what is right. better? Like, right. how are we measuring ourselves? Is it based on, oh, how many awards I get at the end of the year? Or is it something more meaningful? Like, you know, what is the, the scale of the impact that I'm making on my students? And if the answer is, man, like I'm doing my best every day, I'm making, I'm doing what I can to make the biggest impact possible on my students, you're fine. Yeah. You know, you're already a success. Well, wow. We are almost at the break. So we're going to keep going here. I got two questions. All right. Let's go. We get there. One is what makes you, we've kind of already talked about this a little bit, but uh, what makes you unique, especially like as an educator? So when you go to a school, when you're talking or when you were teaching, what, what makes you, you? Right. One thing that it's funny that I was big on this even before I lost my brother, but I've always been big on I love the stuff before starting teaching I actually saw a video I'm going to blank on her name but she was a teacher from the inner city Chicago she since has passed and she became uh, really an educator for teachers afterwards but she talks about teaching in the inner city Chicago and just dealing with her students and their mindsets and their beliefs about themselves and developing like a powerful chant that she made them say every day and she described this chant and described her kids saying the chant and just saying like yeah love it. Let's go. (laughs) And I'm like, I heard that. And I was like, you know what? She was inner city, Chicago. I'm inner city, New York. My kids, I'm sure are going to struggle with some of the same things. No one can be hurt from having some positive affirmations and beliefs put in their life. So I said, all right, I'm going to make a chant for my kids Mm -hmm. for my, my fourth grade Brooklyn class. And I don't know if she just had a special group of students or if it was, I I don't think it was just my group of students from Brooklyn either, but um, in no way, shape or form were my kids into this chant, but (laughs) they hated it. They thought it was lame. They, you know what I mean? They didn't want to do it. But of course I continued having them do it every single day and they wouldn't be dismissed at the end of the day until they all said it. And, you know, so everyone knew this because we'd all dismiss out into the schoolyard and everyone would be in the staircases. So you could clearly hear my class saying this chant every day. Mm -hmm. And it was something that no other teacher did, at least at the time. But that was definitely something that made me different. I actually continued that in years afterwards. But the really nice kind of story that goes along with that was that in the middle of the year, you know, obviously, like I said, I lost my brother and I went from being there every single day. I didn't miss a day of school. And then I was out for a whole week. And so when I got back, you know, my kids were super wanted to know what was going on and were really concerned and worried. But during that week off in the middle of the week, I got a text from another teacher and she just said, you know, Mr. Ron Braun, I hope you're doing okay. I'm just texting you. I wanted you to know your kids are saying your chant without you. And man, like, 
just the the tears, man, just yeah. like started flowing. Yeah, me, um, yeah, me tearing up right over it here. Was, <laughs> it was just so meaningful. I mean, especially at that moment in my life, you know, I really needed that. But, mm-hmm. you know, just to, to hear that, although they didn't like it, you know what I mean? They yeah. weren't into it. Saying those things over and over again, eventually you start to believe them. You start to feel it. And, you know, just like we might not notice on a regular basis, but saying negative things, you know, do impact us. So mm-hmm. switching it up and having something positive to end the day, that was just such an awesome feeling, you know, to know that that like became part of their, mm-hmm. their routine and their ritual, whether I was there or not. So that was, that was do great. You, uh, do you remember this chant? I do. I do. Oh, and performance, I, please. Okay. And note, I partially, I will admit, I partially ripped off the beginning of the chant from the lady that no I heard worries. in the video. Um, but I, I made the end my own. Um, so it was, I am somebody. I was somebody when I came. I'll be a better somebody when I leave. I am strong and powerful. I control my life. Watch me shine. And our school had a thing where it was like shine was the, the acronym, strength, mm-hmm. honor integrity nobility excellence you know what i mean so that was like the thing um but yeah that so that was the chant it was just like you know a quick positive thing to end the day and just have them leave in hopefully a little bit of a better state than than they were before that wow and the fact that they're saying it while you were were gone i mean that is just such an impactful story to you and and it just shows the impact that you've had on your students that's Wow. Yeah, man. That was awesome. Dang. (laughs) Wow. We usually don't get this, uh, get this deep before the break. I don't know. Sorry. I don't know, man. Sorry. What an interview. I love it. All right. So one last question before we hit this break. So what have you failed at? And, uh, how did you react to that failure? Because everybody that comes on this show, even though they're amazing, all of us are human. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And that's, that's one thing that I've come to I've come to embrace failure. Failure is good. And, and in a lot of ways, you learn more from your failures than anything else. A failure and something that I learned from. I definitely failed, at least in the beginning, with classroom management. And with, you know what I mean? I was in a difficult school, in a difficult area. I was very different from my students. All my students were African-American. I was this white guy coming in. I was one of the only male teachers there were literally less than 10 males in a school of over 100 teachers and, wow. and professionals. So it was, I stuck out and the kids definitely gave me a hard time. And that was, you know, I really struggled in the beginning, not, not even necessarily with the behavior, just getting them to take the work seriously, to mm-hmm. really try to believe that they could do it, even if they were struggling. Because uh, where did you grow up? So I grew up, I'm born and raised on Long Island. Okay. And so even though Brooklyn is only an hour away from where I'm, born and raised, it's a, it's a different world. You know what I mean? So really that, that was a big struggle for me just to get the kids to do their work and to make sure they were doing their homework. And in the beginning of the year, most definitely I was struggling. The thing that really changed it around for me, and it wasn't, this wasn't something that just happened overnight. This was something that like progressed throughout the year. But one of the things I was lucky, my, my principal, my first principal was big on being involved with the parents. And so as a new teacher, like I didn't really know how often you're supposed to communicate with your parents. I know it's going to be different if you're going to be on elementary, middle, or high school level. Obviously, you have a different amount of students. But she was big on talking with parents every week. Mm-hmm. So I did my best 
to reach out to parents. And like I said, I'm an outsider coming in. And so at first there wasn't a lot of trust. There wasn't, you know what I mean? If I called a parent and told them that their student had done something during the day, a lot of the times it was just, yeah, no, they said they didn't. So sorry. Like, oh wow, <laughs> you know what I mean? That, that's, that's your issue. Talk to me about their schoolwork. I don't want to hear about behavior. So that was like, kind yeah. of like, it's on you to deal with, but I didn't back down and I continued contacting them and whether it was something bad or good, you know, I made sure that I had at least one thing that I could start the conversation and end the conversation with. Even if I was calling on strictly your child got into a horrible fight today, there was a few positives I could throw in there. And over time, you know, I just built a relationship with the parents and they got to know me and know the fact that I wasn't out to get their, their kids in trouble. I wasn't out just to to bully them or, you know what I mean, be negative. I was really just out for their best interest. And once I had the parents on my side, the changes in the amount of schoolwork that was done, the changes in the behavior in the classroom was radically different because, you know, at the end of the day, as teachers, we can only do so much. And the other half of that puzzle, in my opinion, is parents and the, the child's home community. And if you have them involved with what you're doing and you're both on the same page and you both agree, the kids don't stand a chance. You know what I mean? They're going to be forced to get it done. So, but you know, it was just so funny because then at the end of the year, I'd call with something negative and the parent wouldn't even question me. You know what I mean? It would immediately go on to the student. Mr. Von Braun said you did, and I'm dealing with elementary kids, so it's a little bit different, but Mr. Von Braun said you did this. You did this. It wasn't even like, did you? It was just like the trust and respect. So once... That was like one of the biggest things and it made the greatest impact in really getting through to my kids and, and getting them to do what they were supposed to do. Awesome. Well, we are going to take a really quick break and then we'll be right back with Store Gem. And we're back on the interview that has honestly been the greatest. Appreciate that, man. <laughs> We're going to keep it going, though. It is time for my favorite part of the year, my favorite time of the week, my favorite part of the episode. It is story time. This is the part of the show, if this is the first time you've listened, where I just shut up, let the guests talk, and give us a story. This story could be motivational. It could be sad. It could be happy. Whatever it is, it's totally up to Roger. So, Mr. Von Braun, take it away. All right. I'm going to give you a quick one and then another one. So the the quick one, as I mentioned before, my school had a thing where it was shined. So the kids got shined tickets if they did the correct behavior. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was kind of a positive reinforcement. One day we got back to the classroom and I always, you know, positive reinforcement for the kids that walked in line, didn't fight in the hallway or yell or do anything they weren't supposed to do, get a shine ticket. So one of my students said, Mr. Von Braun, am I getting a shine ticket? He was not getting a shine ticket. He did not <laughs> behave in the, in the hallway. So I said, no. And he was in the back of the room and he just mumbled something. And I, I half heard it. And I, I was like, what, what did you say? What did you just say? He said he wouldn't say anything. He just shook his head. And two seconds later, the student next to him raised his hand and said, uh, Mr. Von Braun, uh, he said he was going to stab you. <laughs> and I was like, what? You, you're going to stab me? And like, I, it literally like shocked me, you know what I mean? For a second, because I had never heard this from this kid before. 
even though you know he, I was used to some some outbursts. But I just stood there for a second, and I walked to the back of the room. I went into my desk, and earlier in this day, the student had actually come up to me and said, and was totally upset because he lost his watch that he said his grandfather gave him. Mm-hmm. They went off to lunch. I completely forgot about it, but at some point during the day, I found the watch, and so I had it for him in my desk. And I, after saying like, you, you're going to stab me? I just paused for a second. I walked to the back of my classroom. I went into my desk, grabbed his watch, put it on his desk, and just said, I found this for you earlier. And I walked away. And I just left it at that because a lot of my kids were used to responding always, no matter what the situation, with aggression, mm-hmm. with hate, with violence. And it just hit me in that moment. It was the perfect opportunity where I didn't have to say a word and I could just respond in a loving gesture and just leave it at that. You know, that student later came up to me and apologized. And you know, it, was, it, was just, it was just a nice moment. It just turned something that was a real negative for me into just just an opportunity just to to show them some love. The most impactful story I had teaching, and one of the things that I would want to express to have all other teachers here, after I lost my brother, like I said, I came back from that week and my students were all off the wall about what had happened, where I had been. They were worried I wasn't coming back, et cetera. I didn't know what I was going to do. I didn't know what I was going to tell them. Obviously, suicide is a tough topic for fourth graders, so I didn't really want to approach that. But around lunchtime, I decided, you know what, after they get back from recess, I'm just going to, I'm just going to tell them that I lost my brother, at least like give them a real reason as to why I was out. Mm-hmm. I thought, you know, they deserve that. So I got them, brought them back up to the class. They all sat down. I started to tell them and exactly what I didn't want to happen started to happen. And tears just started flowing. I could literally barely finished getting the words out to them that I lost my brother. And I just kind of sat, you know, paused afterward and sat there. And a few of my students came up to me and they put their arm around me and, and just said, we'll try to be good the rest of the day. We'll try not to fight or curse, you know, which was, <laughs> which was funny, but nice. And then things kind of just went on, but it ended up being the most meaningful moment, I think, in my teaching career, because after that day, not all at at the same time, not one by one, but random times at random moments, my students start to come up to me and really open up to me about things that they were struggling with in their own life, things that were currently going on, even sometimes things that had happened in the past. And this wasn't something that was really happening before that day. And uh, it just kind of showed me that being vulnerable with our young people. I don't care if they're fourth graders or 12th graders and showing them, because I feel like as teachers, we have this idea of like, and there is a line between like teacher and friend. Like you can't necessarily cross that line if you want to be an effective teacher. And so we're always worried about walking that line and not crossing over and giving them too much personal or being too friendly. Mm -hmm. But I feel like the biggest thing I learned from that was that just sharing with them one of my own like greatest struggles and just seeing me at a point of like real weakness and vulnerability just I think gave them the permission that they didn't need but maybe some of them felt like they needed 
to to come up and open up to me about you know things that they were going on with so if if there's yeah and if there's one thing you can impart to other teachers it would be that to to take some time to open up to your students even if it's not about your own personal life like we all have friends we all family that have dealt with things in life and have seen real struggles and many of us have faced things like depression and anxiety and stuff and and that's something that the more we talk to our kids about, the more our young people see people that they respect and look up to being open about it, they're going to feel like they can do that themselves. And that's that's what we need, I feel like. Awesome. Well, those are two very, very good stories. But unfortunately, we are at the end of our time. So with that said, if anybody wants to get in contact with you, read a little bit more, maybe even bring you to their school. How can they do that? And then if you would just end all of that, uh, your challenge for the week that you want our our listeners to go in and make a big impact with. All right. So if you want to find me, please feel free to look me up. You can find me at mrvonbraun.com. That's M-R-V-O-N-B-R-A-U-N.com. You can also find me at mrvonbraun on social media, Instagram, Facebook. And yeah, my challenge for everyone would really be just that, to find a moment in your week to be open and vulnerable about some some topic that means something, some struggle that you faced in your life with your students, and just kind of set the example of opening up about our own struggles and that there's no shame in talking about things that, that happen in life and things that you struggle with. And if you really want to go full send on it, then feel free to make up a chant. Yeah. Give it to your class. That's like the ultimate challenge. If you really want to take this challenge, make up a positive chant. I don't even care. Steal mine if you want and give it to your kids and get back to Fred and let them know how much they fought you on it because yeah. um, I'm sure it'll be fun. That's Yeah, that's what I was going to say is do go do that stuff. Action obviously is the only way to to make change. And then let us know. I'd love to hear it. I'll, I'll send it on to, to Mr. Von Braun here as well. You can just email me, teacherrechargepodcast at gmail.com. I'd love to hear about it. Love to hear from you. If you know anybody that would be great for this podcast or you yourself would be great for this podcast, go ahead, email that as well. That's teacherrechargepodcast at gmail.com. Well, hey, this was a fantastic 30 minutes. I really appreciate you coming on the show. I'm sure our listeners do too. Thank you so much. Yeah, man. Thank you so much for having me on. It was a pleasure.